Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, we are taking a look at the Tar Heels recruiting class. We're going to do a a quick uh, subject on that to start off the show. We will also talk about the Tar Heels landing a transfer center uh, in the portal. Corey Gaynor from Miami comes over. We'll talk about the impact that that's going to have on the field. We'll also do uh, a little bit of a, uh, I, I, I don't know if it's a game or I, I don't know what we're going to uh, consider that, but uh, we'll do one. It's called Need One or Got One, uh, where we'll talk about some of the positions that Carolina may need to try to go into the transfer portal to try to get somebody this offseason. And then we'll also get you out of here with a bunch of closing notes that we'll run through at the end of the show, which involve uh, a couple of guys in the transfer portal, some guys that have been in the transfer portal for the Tar Heels that have found their destination, uh, as well as a couple of recruiting notes for you as well. But uh, let's start out and talk about the Tar Heels landing the number 8 overall recruiting class according to 24-7 Sports Rivals and On3 Recruiting. Number nine overall, according to ESPN, and uh, this is this is what Carolina was hoping would end up happening in this 2022 recruiting class. It now comes to fruition, and this is a big class for the Tar Heels in terms of getting in the type of talent that they need to get. Um, I think that you know from from the on field perspective, I, I think that. This definitely gives this team more talented depth. It's a smaller class, but you're going to get some guys in here that can potentially contribute right away, especially on the offensive side of the ball where you need guys to be able to contribute right away. But uh, the other thing that I think this does, and the angle that you probably took on it, is that now this turns the attention fully to the coaching staff because you're recruiting the talent. The recruiting services say you're recruiting the talent, which is part of what you have to do. Now it's about getting those results on the field and developing that talent when they get to Chapel Hill. Yeah, it 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 only adds more pressure to Mac Brown and this staff to win. That that's what this does because now you can't say we don't have the talent. I I I argued all year long that we don't we're not as talented as I thought as I thought we were as definitely you thought we were and what the and what the national media thought we were entering the season. Well, now you can't really make that argument because you bring in a top ten class. You address your needs that you have on your roster to get where you want to get to, which is an ACC championship game, and so now, now you got to win. And Carolina's going to be that weird team that enters next year that won't be preseason ranked. They won't probably be picked to win the Coastal and make the ACC title game, but within the Tar Heel fan base and the local ACC media, there will be pressure on Mac Brown and them to win because he's won off the field since he's gotten back to Chapel Hill, right? Like, everything off the field he said he was going to do, yep. he has done just that. And we've had a lot of fun celebrating the recruiting and, and all the changes he's made off the field. Now, especially in year four, 
you've got to win on the field because all all, all your recruiting classes, all that, this, this is now basically your team. You were winning with some of Larry Fedora's holdovers, some of your roster. Now this is primarily Mac Brown's vision for Carolina football, and 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 and, and so now you got to win. But um, it was nice to see the recruiting. You know, a lot of people were worried once the losing started, we were going to lose recruits, and I think that shows you the relationships that our coaches have with these players and how effective of a of a recruiter Mac Brown is because you know that that recruiting was out there that negative recruiting from the NC States, from the Virginia Techs in the world and stuff like that. So you got the talent. Now let's go win with the talent. Yeah. Well, I think, look, the the hesitancy I think is coming in this upcoming class. I think 2023 you're going to have to start producing on the field or else some of those guys are going to start saying, hey – you know, this is this is a great idea, but the results just are not there. And rightfully so. Right, right. Uh, no, no, you're you're 100% right. And look, it's far from a guarantee at this point because I know you wanted to talk about this and and, and we can we can do this here because I think it's it's the appropriate appropriate time and by the time they get past the bowl game, that'll probably be in the rear view. It looks like they are going to kind of stand pat with the coaching staff. Um everything that's been said Leading up to the bowl game, everything that was said post-signing day basically pointed to the fact that all of the guys that we were questioning are going to be back. So, and and look, this is a strategy that I think, and again, I don't, I don't talk to Mac Brown. I don't have anybody inside of the program that's telling me this. My thinking is that it's pretty clear what they're doing. They're trying to take the stability approach as opposed to every other team in the division is losing somebody on their staff. I believe they are losing either a head coach or a coordinator, every single team in the conference. So they're trying to take the stability approach, which I would get if the results were even average. I think you're seeing a couple of guys on the staff that we've been questioning as to whether or not they are current Power 5 head coaches. The reason I say that is because Stacey Searles has, has been a guy that's been around for a while, but I think he's really struggling right now. And I think that is kind of frustrating people. Oh, yeah, there's there's no doubt. I, I understand, especially given this coaching carousel that we just had, which was the craziest of our lifetime. I understand that stability in the long run might be the best plan. My hesitancy is this, is that we know with Mac Brown there's a window, and that window isn't getting longer. It's getting shorter by the passing day, right. by the passing season. If he doesn't achieve what he, to, what he wanted to achieve when he took the job, which was to get Carolina back in an ACC championship game and, 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 and really should be nationally relevant again, you're going to look back to this offseason and say that that's why. Because you had every reason to make the change. No one was going to get mad at you for firing coaches or moving on from coaches because seemingly every other school in the country did exactly just that. You had a former friend of yours become open on the market, Manny Diaz. You passed. Yep. Like – and and that's like for me it's it's more on the on the defensive side of the football. Like now granted Stacy Searles, that that's a move that um I wanted made, but now you've got a five-star offensive lineman coming in. It's going to be really hard, you know, if he can't you know, make that guy, you know, a legitimate all-American. Okay, then you have a cause to fire him. Mm-hmm. Defensively though, it, it started with Jay Bateman. The defense took a step back this year when we thought it was ready to take a step forward. I've had my issues with Dre Bly as a position coach. Hell of a recruiter. He's got a position on this staff as a recruiter. I don't know if he's a college football uh, or a or a Division One position coach in in the ACC. Then you look at that defensive line with Tim Cross, a guy that also very beneficial for Carolina recruiting. He brings a lot of energy and stuff like that. But the on-field results, they weren't there. And I don't know. With all the turnover and everything like that, I I understand the continuity approach. But I don't want Mac Brown regretting if he ultimately fails at what he took this job to do, because you know, and he'll never publicly admit that. But I don't want it to come back to this offseason and say, you know, I I should have made a move. And look, I know we live in a world where loyalty isn't praised and stuff like that. But 
you're getting paid to win football games and do it at a really high level because our coaching staff gets paid very well. So you've got to be willing to make those tough decisions, and it appears right now he's not ready to do just that. Well, my thing is, is okay, it doesn't seem like you really crowdsourced guys like Will Muschamp or Manny Diaz if they had interest. Now, I mean, you look, is Carolina's defensive coordinator job better than Penn State's? Probably not. No. So you're going to say, okay, Manny Diaz probably wouldn't have taken that job. Is Carolina's defensive coordinator job better than Georgia's? No, but the thing is, is I think at one point there was uncertainty as as to whether or not Dan Lanning was actually going to get a head coaching job. And look, maybe these conversations happen behind closed doors. Um, there is no way that they didn't at least think about it. Because, as I said a couple weeks ago, if you look at Jay Bateman's statistics, his best season was year one. Yep. His second best season was year two. His worst season was year three. Yep, it's so he, progressively worse. He has trended in the wrong direction the entire time. Stacey Searles, it's more understandable. Because, as you mentioned, apparently there were deeper ties that he had with Zach Rice than we realized. I remember seeing, and I had people that were telling me that that wasn't the case. That basically it was in spite of Stacey Searles. That was one of the reasons that Rice was coming. Apparently not. Apparently this is a guy that had a good connection with him. So, okay, on that level, it makes sense. Now, this is my question off of that. The other guys, I mean, Dre Bly, you know me. I think he's I think he's done a good enough job. Yes, I know. Tim Cross, I think you got to give him one more year because you've got the talent there. A lot of that talent is, is, is still young. I think next year is kind of the prove-it prove year for him. I, I was okay with him coming back. But the whole staff enters next year as a prove-it year. And that starts with your head coach. Well, I don't I don't look, I don't think Phil Longo is an approving year. I, I don't to me that doesn't make any sense. But but again, look, if 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 Mac Brown is in approving year, then yes, everybody on his staff is clearly in approving year as well. But you have some guys that have better track records to this point than some of the other guys on this staff. So my thing is is you look at the fact that they were talking about how close Zach Rice was to Stacey Searles. And I think part of the reason why that was brought up is because Mac Brown's probably seen, uh, he's got social media, He's he, he follows enough people where he's probably seen people talking about whether or not Stacey Searles is the right guy for the job. It feels like he was basically trying to point out that hey, a five-star recruit thinks that he's the right guy for the job. My question is, is part of the reason or one of the main reasons that you kept this staff together because you think that keeping this recruiting class together was more important than making changes on your staff? Because I I wonder how much of a factor that really did play did play in because I, I, I think it's definitely something. I had Tar Heel fans tell me, I got to an argument about this. And, look, we know how I feel about National Signing Day. I think it is a absolute joke of the way that it is promoted. But I had Tar Heel fans literally tell me that firing coaches before the signing period is stupid because you're you're going to lose your recruiting class. And then my here's my follow-up. Okay. No, this is what they okay, don't have yeah. an answer for. If we just complained for the whole year about this coaching staff coaching, what makes you think they're going to coach any better next year because they got better talent when you when we entered the year thinking we're a really talented football team? Well, you thought that this defense was at least going to take a step forward. I mean, you're feeling like you've got a good amount of talent coming in on the defensive side of the football this year. But here's the other problem. The talent coming in on the defensive side of the football is not on the same level as the ones coming in on the off. The, the offensive side of this class is clearly better than the defensive side of this class. You're going to have a lot more guys that can make early impacts. The defensive side of the football, you've got some developmental guys, some undersized guys on the edge that have to put on weight. So, yeah, these are not going to be immediate impact players 
on the defensive side. You, you'll have a couple that may come out of nowhere and surprise you, but that's not what this team needs right now. They need guys that are going to come in and make an immediate impact in order to save the jobs of guys that are really struggling right now. Mm. And, yeah, I, I, I'm – my, my thing is, is okay, because I've seen people that have thought about this strategy. Well, what about you sign the class, and then after the bowl game, you fire, you the, fire, you fire the guys. Here's the thing. There is nothing stopping these guys. If, if they are committed to a coach, there is nothing stopping them now from saying, well, the coach that I wanted to play for left. I'm entering the portal. Right, and, the, and, and that brings you back to the shift in recruiting that happened let's just say 25 years ago, because probably before the 90s, players were still committing to schools and to institutions from an academic standpoint and from an athletic standpoint. Look, there are still guys that will that, that do do that. Yeah, it's, you, it, there are yeah, a few, you, but there low, are a lot of them. Yeah, there are still guys. You're two-star, you're three-star, you're borderline four-star. Now, these coaches are not committing to North Carolina. They're committing to... Dre Bly or whoever. So if you fire that coach, then and, and that coach picks up another job, well then that person's most likely going to transfer, and then you're going to complain about them transferring. So that, that that's why it doesn't make sense. If, if if you wanted to make staff changes in lieu of the recruiting, that's what Mac Brown's there for. He's the guy that you can still go into the rooms of these kids and say, look, we're making changes to benefit you on the field. We, I still want you to come play here, come play for me, but I'm going to get you a better position coach. I'm going to get you a better coordinator. That's going to make you look better on the field and make you make it easier to achieve your ultimate goal, which is the NFL. And then, because I, I don't want to see, because if that happens, let's say after the bowl game we fire Jay Bateman, Tim Cross, whoever it is, and then you see – X, Y, and Z transfer. Do not bitch about them transferring. Well, here's here, and and this is the other part of that. If you do that, that is going to be a major blow to future classes because Mac Brown is seen as a guy that is extremely honest when it comes to recruiting and even when the players get on campus. Mm. If you then turn around and basically show people that we lied just to get kids into this, you know, bring this class in and then basically try to force their hand to stay on campus, that's that's going to be a rough look. I don't – look, I don't think that's going to happen. Like I said, that, to me, they're taking the stability approach. They're trying to run it back, and we'll see. It could end up biting them. Um, and I, I, to be honest with you, I don't see much reason for hope that it's going to work out right now. It's not. But you just you, you have to hope that the elevated talent is going to be the difference or that, you know, these coaches can show us something that they haven't shown us. But right now it's 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 tough to see that happening and it and it's frustrating at this point. And then that's really the last time we're gonna touch on it, probably until next season when we get into it, because this is this is the group that Carolina is gonna be rolling with again next year. Uh, the good news is is that they you know are trying to use the transfer portal here. They have been in contact with a lot of guys here so far. There are a lot of rumored names that have been out there. Carolina hosted three transfers for the Elon game uh, a couple of weeks ago. They had uh, edge rusher Noah Taylor out of Virginia. You had uh, Karan uh, Prunty, who actually committed today. Uh, Carolina was apparently out on him after... Uh, the official visit, there were some red flags, apparently, is what some people were saying popped up for him. He committed to North Carolina A&T, former Kansas and South Carolina player. But the guy that they did get from that visit, and he he uh, committed to Carolina on Friday, is Corey Gaynor, the offensive center um, out of Miami. A pretty strong career at Miami this past year, only started four games. I think a lot of people are probably wondering why he did suffer a season-ending injury um, that cost him the final eight games of the regular season. He, of course, entered the transfer portal and found his home pretty quickly in his landing with his former position coach, Stacey Searles, at Carolina. But this guy... There's a lot of production here. He's, you know, played in 38 career games for Miami, started 28 of them, and last year 
in 2020, he uh, allowed just nine quarterback pressures and one sack the entire year. Center was a big issue for Carolina, so this feels pretty important. Yeah, and, you know, it's good that they're already addressing those needs because you want to do this now to have these guys in for spring ball and stuff like that as opposed to adding guys over the summer. Look, depending on the player, you're still going to add that person over the summer. But the quicker you can get these guys on campus and stuff like that, the way they're going to be there for your, your winter workouts and, of course, for spring ball, it's going to get you ahead of the curve. And that's the, that's the thing about Mac Brown and his return to coaching is that he, he's always been proactive when it comes to the recruiting. The portal hasn't, you know, that, that hasn't caught him off guard and stuff like that. And I think they've shown, they showed this year with Ty Chandler that, okay, we can bring in a guy that's been a productive player at the Power 5 level integrate him into our system, and it's not going to skip a beat. And Carolina needs help up front, plain and simple. Definitely. Had, had this offensive line been the type of offensive line we thought it was going to be entering the season, I don't know if Carolina makes the ACC title game, but I don't think they're a 6-6 six and six football team. There were games that we lost simply because we could not block. and and, and Virginia Tech, exactly. Pittsburgh. Georgia Tech to a certain extent. You know, you especially if you're going to be working in a new quarterback, you can't be as bad as up front as we were this year and expect to compete at a high level. You because they're going to need to run the ball a lot better. Well, even if Sam Howell returns, I mean, what what are you going to get the dude killed back there? Well, okay, but he proved this year he can elevate and 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 play through that. Yeah, but how many more hits can he honestly take? I mean, if if he has another year behind that type of offensive line. I mean, he may make it to the NFL and be done in two or three years from how many hits he takes. Because, I mean, that that is one of the worst offensive lines I have ever seen in Carolina history. I, I, was, I am going to go through, when I do the final grades, I want to see where that ranks all time in terms of the most sacks allowed. I mean, clearly... It's up there. Clearly up until, you know, probably up until about the 90s. The numbers aren't going to be that high because you ran the ball so much. It wasn't a passing lead, but I don't. There is no way that there is any season that tops this. That this was the worst offensive line I've ever seen Carolina roll out, and it need it, they needed to find guys like Gaynor, who's a veteran, who's gotten the job done before. I mean, look, here's the thing: is this going to be a first team All American coming in? Probably not. But this is a guy that is going to stabilize a position that needs stability. And here's the other thing. This adds another guy to your room because now I don't see any way Kieran Johnson is playing center this year. Yeah. But that's good because that allows you to, if you need him at guard, which you may because as of right now, we don't know what Joshua Zudu and and, and Marcus McKeithen are doing. Mm -hmm. And we saw him in 2020 play guard and tackle and he was he was pretty good so you know my thing is is now you create a little flexibility with him with Brian Anderson you get some depth at center where you didn't have it this past year that's the most important thing I think they they've got to get I mean like you want position flexibility but you also they need depth because we haven't had the type of depth we've wanted for three years. Well, and this year, both of your centers were banged up for most of the year. You said that was one of the biggest issues. And at one point, you started Caden Baker yep. in a game up front. And, I mean, look, he did what he could at that point. That was a dude that had never taken a snap at center before that week when they said, hey, we need we need to try somebody here. So you needed a guy like this to come in there and here's the other thing. I mean, he could probably play guard as well. So, yeah, you've got that position versatility because this is going to be the key for this unit going forward. And it should have been the key this year, but I felt at, at times they did not actually go with this. Your goal should be to have the best five players out there on this offensive line. It does not have to be position specific. If you think that... Joshua Zudu at left tackle and Ed Montillas at left guard is a better approach long-term than having a Sim Richards on the field, then you need to stick with that and roll with it. 
Because there were way too many times this year they tried to switch on and off. They couldn't figure out what they were doing. They need to find some stability with this offensive line if they want to be able to have success. Yeah, and that's where it comes back to the coaching. Like, you would hope that Stacey Searles could be the type of guy where here are five best offensive linemen and you make the combinations work. Because it doesn't need to be, well, this is, you know, we recruit him to be left tackle. He's just going to play left tackle or yep. guard center, what whatever it is. You want to be able to just say, look, here are the five guys. Now, you, you, you know, naturally you want the center to stand out the most. Like, okay, this is our center. But for your guards and tackles, it, it shouldn't be just hell-bent on what you recruited them to be or what they've always played their whole life. And, and I think that's something that Carolina's got to get back to. You got to you got to have your best players on the field, because we're not good enough to not have our best players that are like our five best players mm-hmm. on on the field and win. Some some schools are, but we're not Alabama. We're not Clemson. We're not Ohio. We're not those schools. We got to we got to get as much talent on the field and still need a lot of help to beat those types of teams. So, you know that's going to be something that uh, and look they that they they don't need to stop. With that one offensive no. line. No, oh God, no. And that, they're not. They're not. From what from what is being rumored, they are still looking on the offensive line. But, you know, since we're in the portal discussion, I think the NCAA, we, we've got to find a cap limit on how many portals or how many transfers you can bring in in an offseason. Whether you max that out to what your recruiting class is, whatever it is, because Carol, like, look, look at schools like Carolina – or like especially in a coaching change, you could see eight to ten transfers come in. That's too many. Carolina, even this year, you've got six positions written down as as you need one or got one, right? So like, well, look, there, there, not there all are teams of... that need, or you know, there are there are going to be schools that will add a boatload of transfers. So I think if I think well, if we could cap the amount of transfers you could bring in, maybe you wouldn't see the transfer portal as large as you're seeing it. Well, technically, there is a limit. The limit is your roster size. You once you get to eighty-five scholarship players, you can't have extra. You you can't bring in extra dudes on your roster and say, "Well, we're going to figure out what we do with the rest of the guys." The problem with the transfer portal is is that you've got so many guys that now see this as an avenue for a fresh start. Well, I saw so and so. I saw my teammate go, and he left Carolina, and he ended up at. South Florida, or whatever. Okay, well, that worked out for him, but when you enter the portal, you might not be seen or held in as high a regard as the guy that you just saw transfer. And here's the thing. Those spaces, the rosters are capped. They are limited. You can't bring in as many guys as you want and just say, well, we're going to have you know one roster. This is in high school. You can't bring in a, a roster that has 140 players on it against a team that has 80 players like that's not how it works there are roster limits in the NCAA so I mean I think there is a cap on it I think the reason you're just seeing these numbers is because these are guys that are just getting bad intel from guys that are telling them hey you know their coaches back home you know, the, the people they train with in the offseason are telling them hey look you're not getting a lot of playing time why don't you enter the transfer portal and maybe you can get some more playing time. Yeah. And it's not working out. You're seeing a lot of guys that are kind of left out, hung to dry, and and or they're having to, you know, they're they're looking at it as well, I'll drop down to the group of five level instead of dropping down to division two, and they end up with a division two or division three school because they couldn't find the spot where they want to go. Or worse, they're left with nothing. They're trying to hold out for that offer. And they end up getting nothing in their football careers over. Yeah, that's a whole different issue. But I mean, yeah, I I think see this is this is the other issue though is that a lot of people are going to look at this as basically free agency, and that's no honestly that's how Carolina needs to look at it. This is a chance to bring in veteran guys at positions where you need veteran guys. And let's get to it. You said that we're going to be talking about the transfer portal. We're going to play a little bit of a, a game here, need one or got one. There's going to be six position groups that we'll run through. Is a girlfriend on the list? 
Unfortunately, they do not have a portal for those. Actually, they do. It's called Tinder, and I'm Bumble. blocked on most of those mo- most of those sites. Hinge. Hinge. Hinge is not great. I'm not a Hinge guy. Facebook dating. Has Facebook. Been a good face, Facebook dating's not bad. Yeah. It's 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 on the uh it's on the up and up. The problem with that is I feel like there are still a lot of girls that don't even realize they have created Facebook dating profiles. You think that stops me from swiping right on them? Oh, no, it doesn't stop me either. But what I'm saying is I feel like a lot of them have forgotten that they've created those profiles, although I feel like Tinder and Bumble are probably the same way. Yeah, I ain't forgot. That's But those are the portals. Now, here's my question. Do you think that that is how Dabo thinks that the NCAA transfer portal works? So I just swipe right and I get them? Well, that was a terrible Dabo impression. But, no, I don't think he's that out of the woods about how the transfer portal works. I don't know, man. He's never landed a transfer before. Do you think that Dabo believes that he can walk into a graveyard like in the Dr. Pepper commercial and one will magically appear like uh, like Fansville? I wouldn't be shocked. Maybe if he's on his like religious trips where he's in there like talking to the Lord or something like that. Maybe, but no. Please, God, send me a wide receiver. Okay, a little now. old Clemson. <laughs> Byot, bring your own transfer. Um, but anyways, we're talking Tar Heels here. Uh, let's go and and take a look. The first position that I had written down to me, this one is clear. Um. Is, is is the edge rusher position. To me, I think not only is it need one, I think it's need two. I don't want to ruin your game here. Every defensive uh, spot on this team needs a transfer. Or I would be open no, to the in, interior, in The interior of the defensive line, you, I you've would got be too open many guys. To adding, I'd be open to adding talent, but yes, they need pass rushers, and they need them. ASAP, because I think that's been the biggest thing about what's really hurt this defense. You go back to year one when Carolina's defense played really well, and they had moments. Remember, they held Clemson to 21 points. They had moments where you could see the vision of Jay Bateman's defense. Well, they were getting pressure on the quarterback, whether it was with Simone Fox, whether it was Jason Strobridge. You saw a lot of Chasserat that that year literally just blitzing because you know, you were trying to make the game as easy as possible as he was learning a new position. Well, that was the biggest thing. A lot of that in the first two years. Because remember, last year, in 2020, they were one of the best teams in the country. They were, I think, like, I, I think they finished the season, like, third or fourth in sacks. But it was because they were blitzing so often. Chas Surratt was having a lot of success, with which helped you. But the other thing was, somehow... You trusted your secondary more last year than you did this year. This year, they couldn't blitz as often because, I mean, the secondary just, I mean, again, with injuries, that group was was not a, a great unit. So, I think, but, but they talk so much in the offseason about we want to find these guys on our roster that can win the one-on-one battles. They we heard exist. so often about... Des Evans was getting that done. That Chris Collins was taking a step. Well, that's here's the problem: of our offensive line. See, in hindsight, yeah, they, may, yeah, they, that is true. See, they may it, have been doing some work. And, you know, in hindsight, that should have we should have been more prepared to see the offensive line struggles, given the fact that guys that we hadn't seen yet be productive players were supposedly being productive in practice. Well, the other part of that issue is that it, to it. it really should have carried over in certain circumstances. Like when you played Florida State, how are you not ab- how are you not able to get after the quarterback in that game? Right. They have one of the worst offensive lines that you faced all season. There was only one game all season where you faced a subpar offensive line based on the rankings and you actually got the job done. And that was Duke. Yeah. That didn't even count. And that's it. And that that line wasn't even rated as bad as a couple of the other ones that you faced, including Notre Dame, who just dominated you. Mm. So, I get I get that I get that it's probably a reflection of the offensive line, but it's also a reflection of guys just are not carrying over what they show in fall camp 
in the summer. Like, these dudes, look, they're putting in the work, clearly, but it's just right now, it's it's not there. And look, you're hoping, the hope is that, look, you can add an edge rusher here. Noah Taylor, the guy out of Virginia, is the guy that probably comes to mind first. And then you can get one of your other guys to step up. My, my thinking, you want to find that other interior defensive lineman down there with Miles Murphy... And prefer I, honestly, you need to find two. You would prefer Miles Murphy's one of those guys. Probably Travis Shaw breaks out and could play a big role for you. Yep. And then Ritzy mm. or Silver, some ro- some rotation of that up front, and 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 that could be interchangeable, especially early in the year. That would then allow Cayman Rucker to move to edge yeah. because right now, I'm just I don't have any. I I I don't have much faith that we're going to see a huge leap from Des Evans. And Chris Collins, I think, uh, at this point, it's nothing against him. I think Chris Collins is a limited player. Yeah, and Des Evans is probably the biggest bust we've had as a recruit in the last 10 years. Um, The guy entered with so much height, potential. I mean, he's up there. I mean, he, he, he's an Will, William Barnes. I mean, he's going to get his shot probably coming up here, but William Barnes is pretty close, too. So, you know. But, yeah, I mean, look, and, and the market on edge rushers is pretty solid. Jared uh, Jared uh, Versay, I believe is how you pronounce his name, out of Albany. Um, he's a guy that's extremely highly thought of. One of those guys that you're going to see more and more of, just FCS stars that are coming up. Um, and I think that's one that Carolina should definitely uh, look at. And and there's there's other, you know, plenty of other talented options, I think that Carolina could reasonably consider adding here. But they've got to find somebody that can help them out off the edge of this defense. And like I said, if it, if they were to get two guys, I, I wouldn't be hurt by that either. Um, Running back. I'll let you go first on this one. Although I sh- maybe I should have gone first here. I'm going to say they need one. Okay. Especially if Sam Howell does depart, I do think they're going to need to lean on the running game even more than they have in the past because this is this offense is built and designed to run the ball first. I think they have good pieces in the backfield. But you saw towards the end of the year that once they just figured out, look, we're going to run Ty Chandler, the running game really opened up, and they were getting back to be able to run the football the way that uh, we wanted them to run the football when the season started. And I just don't think with the other guys on the roster, you know, Hood coming back from injury, you know, and, and, and those guys, I don't know if they have a, a true leader in that backfield. And I think if you're going to have to replace your, you know, your starting quarterback, I'll, I'll, you know, you know, and Chandler's gone and stuff like that, Having a true number one back in that backfield would go a long way to this team being competitive and winning seven or eight games next year. So I'm going to say they got they got one. I think they're okay here because I think that this really lends well to the true freshmen that are coming in. Um, not Omari and Hampton I don't think is the one that it lends the best to, although he's drawn comparisons to Javante Williams. The reason I say that, I think later in the year you could see him, but he's not coming in until June. You get George Petaway, though, Mm. in January, and he has that ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's got good speed. He's shifty. So he's going to fill that Michael Carter-like role. After that, then you've got to find that physical back. Well, you're bringing back British Brooks. I don't know how much confidence there is that that's going to last. Although, look, if he goes out and plays well again in the bowl game, and I mean on the level he played against NC State, there could be a role for him. I think Caleb Hood could also potentially be that guy as well because when he was on the field, you saw a guy that likes to run physically. So I think they're good. The other thing about this is, the market for running backs is not as good as it was a year ago, and, the, and and a lot of the guys that were big names have kind of found their homes already. Um, I mean, and again, there this is a position where I would kind of monitor it. 
If you get a guy that you think can be Kenneth Walker, okay, then you need to go out and get that guy. Because I've thought multiple times to myself, how much different would this season have been if they would have gotten Kenneth Walker? Which could have been a possibility if they didn't if if they hadn't already gotten Ty Chandler. Love what Ty Chandler did. Kenneth Walker was a whole nother level. And he had a better offensive line and just better all around him too. Look, he he's a special player. And that guy should have been at the Heisman Trophy ceremony given what he did at the running back position. But I, I don't know. I mean, we we haven't seen When's the last time you've seen a true freshman at Carolina be an impact player at the running back position? It's been a while. Javante Williams, but that wasn't until the very end of his true freshman season. You know, you look look nationally. Unless that guy is going to be Travion Henderson. I mean, look, he's he's pretty highly rated. I'll say this. I think that they've got got the depth – here and there, those guys are talented. It's just how quickly can you can you get to that point? Again, as I said, a big factor in it is there really are not a lot. A lot of guys already have their destination. I mean, I'm looking right now. I mean, maybe Hassan Hall out of Louisville, but that's not a name that most people probably even know. Well, I mean, my, as I as I said, mine is predicated on the fact you're prob you're most likely losing your quarterback. If Sam Howell is coming back or is coming back, I think Carolina would be okay. But I would think imagining breaking in a new quarterback next year, you're gonna want to run the ball more anyway. Just given the fact that you know there's that's just how it usually works. If you can have a true number one bell cow where you can just say, I know I can hand you the ball 25 to 30 times, and I'm going to get the production that I need to still run my offense, I'd be more opposed to that than having the uh, the running back by committee approach. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, there's just not a lot of names. I mean, I know one name that I see on here, Justice Woods. He's a guy that played at Charlotte Christian High School. He went to Stanford. But, I mean, it's just you're really grasping at straws. There's not that guy like last year with Ty Chandler that you had connections with and you were able to go out and get. What about wide receiver? Yes. they. I, I think this is this is clear to me. Yeah, I, I think they need one. You can live without getting the guy, the speed guy. Because I think that guy is probably on your roster. It's either going to be... Another year of Antoine Green, which you'll probably just have to live with the inconsistencies, and maybe there's somebody else that's out there too that can that can do that for you in in, in their first or second year amongst these last two receiving classes. I think you need the you need the jump ball guy. Yes, because um, I know I know if you watch the highlight the the highlight tape, you would think okay, Andre Green Jr. can come in and do that immediately. I think he'll be able to. If if you need him to, help he can contribute a little bit. But to think that he's going to come in and automatically be the guy that you're throwing every red zone target to, I think is a lot to ask. If you can find that veteran guy in the transfer portal, I think you got to do it. Yeah, no, th- this is and this is not predicated on Sam Howell or not. Even if Sam Howell was coming back, I would say they needed help in the wide receiver room because okay, you lost two receivers of your own to the portal. Three, actually, because of Bo Corrales now. Um, okay, so you've already lost three of your top, what, six entering the season. They're gone. And look, there's now look, there's talent here, but we didn't see Kobe Paceauer, Gavin Blackwell. We saw a little bit of Jones on the field at the end of the year, but we haven't seen those guys just yet. Um, okay, you've got now a – there's going to be 13 games of film on Josh Downs. Not saying that they're going to be able to necessarily take him away, but you don't imagine him having the same amount of impact he had – this year, next year, just given that's not usually how it works. This is the type of, you know, you know whether it's the jump ball guy. If you could get what Carolina had when you had Quinshaw Davis, Bug Howard, Matt Collins, and Ryan Switzer, like if you could get those guys around, whether it's Drake May or Jacoby Criswell, a nice possession receiver, a guy that you know on third and seven, if, it's, if Downs isn't there, I've got this guy I can get the ball to. Um you, then you want that guy on your roster. You need a red zone threat, and you need you need a guy that can get down the field because 
as we've seen with this offense, when they can't push the ball down the field like they want to, it does, it, you know, the defense do compress what they want to do. But, you know, the flip side to all of this is to where this maybe may not be a you got to, you know, you know you don't need this one, you, you've already got that, is if Carolina did involve their tight ends a little bit more often and there was more passing threats in the offense. Maybe that will evolve with Bryson Nesbitt and Kamari Morales maybe emerging over winter into spring ball. But right now there's no reason to think that's going to happen. And Carolina needs to have those types of guys on the on the receiving roster. But for me, it's more about if I'm going to get a receiver, I want a veteran. I want a guy that's been in the been in college football two, three, four years. They've got the young talent. I just want some experience on this roster to blend with all that talent. And look, I mean, there's there's options out there. Um, I think the most attractive option right now is Taj Howard, out of Syracuse, who's been there, done that before. He's been there a while. He committed to Kentucky but backed off of that commitment at one point, so he's still out there, um, and Carolina could definitely chase him. Frank Ladson out of Clemson, now not a super experienced guy, but has the height and was an extremely highly rated player coming out of Clemson. Problem with him is is that Miami right now is favored for him. Yep. That probably feels like a good landing spot for him. Um, Jalen Curry's an interesting guy, body-wise. Extremely highly rated, inside of the top 200 guys coming out of high school, but he's from the state of Texas, so there's not really ties. Um, went to Arizona. So, I mean, there's some of these guys. Jacob Copeland, that's a guy out of Florida that was extreme, a, a former five-star. One that Carolina I've seen has been rumored to be in contact with is Deion Smith mm-hmm. out of LSU. Problem with him is, is he's smaller guys, like six... Six foot and three quarters, one seventy two. So, hey, that feels like more of a slot guy. Size doesn't matter. I mean, I, I, I don't. I like. I feel. I feel like Josh Downs is even bigger, not height wise, but I think he probably has more weight on him. Um, so I mean, look, th- this spot definitely has some interesting guys, and I think yes, they without a doubt they have to give this position a strong look. I'm with you. I think they need one here. Um, and I, I think, like I said, I want that possession receiver more than the speed guy. I feel like you can find that speed guy easier with the guys that you've got in place than that possession guy. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, safety. Yes, they they need one. I, I think so too. That, I think, that's not even – until they find a game changer at that position – this will be a need because, especially as long as Jay Bateman is is the defensive coordinator, they are not going to become elites. Not in their vocabulary. So you don't you don't think that Jaquarius Conley's the the guy that they're looking for on no. the back end? Because I know a lot of people are going to bring that up. No, I don't. I, I mean, look, I think he's uh, I I think he's a heck of a player. My problem is is okay. I'm not worried about him if he's at strong safety. Um, when he was healthy, before he got banged up late in the year, and it became pretty obvious down the stretch that he was banged up. Plus, remember they moved; they had to move him to nickel again. He was playing rather well there. My concern is, without a doubt, free safety. Mm-hmm. There is no way, in my mind, that you can start Cameron Kelly next year. Not if you want to win football games. He is just—he's so hit and miss. And look. We heard a lot of good things about Giovanni Biggers. He also had his moments where he was hit and miss this past year. You've The one thing that they talked about so much with the safeties heading into fall camp this past year, Mac Brown said multiple times, we have to find consistency back there. Well, somehow you were even less consistent than you were the previous year. Which brings us back to why we have ranted and raved and wanting to get Jay Bateman and, and, and defensive coaches fired. I like Conley. I think I think I think he's a heck of a football player. He can do a lot of different things for you. I like him in the nickel a lot, a lot better than I like him at that safety position. And, and I mean either way I think he helps you. The problem is if you take him out of nickel, then you got to find a guy that is going to be able to blitz the way that he does which and be able to I, help you in run defense. Which is now, why I want him in the nickel. Right. Because now, they don't have anyone else on the roster right now that can do it to the level that he can do it at. 
if he can play the way that he did at high school, we'll have to see the the name to watch there during this offseason will be DeAndre Boykins because he did he was very similar on tape to Conley. Played very physical. He that was where he played in high school. Which if you play the nickel in high school almost exclusively, then you got to be pretty good because most defenses in high school don't have nickel. Safeties. That's they, what they I just, played in high school. They just don't. Yeah, that's why you were never on the field. That's right. But uh, so I, I think that's it's interesting. That's the thing with Conley. That's frustrating. Is if you take him out of one position, you're afraid it's going to weaken the other position. But yeah, which, which is why I go find one. You look at every good defense, and we're trying to be good. No, you look at an average defense because we're not even average. They have quality secondary play. You look at the elite defenses, they have elite secondary play led by their safeties. Well, Carolina's and, got to get – you look at what made those Butch Davis's defenses so good. Look, their corners were good, but those safeties were, were, what, were, were what made the bigger impact because they were able to come down and make plays in the run game. They were making plays in the pass game. They were physical and stuff like that. Carolina doesn't have that. It's, it's either one – or it's the other. You got to get them both. Well, here's the other part of that. Okay, if you had an elite pass rush, you could get away with having a weakness in the secondary. They don't have that. Right now, they don't have either a strong defensive front or a strong secondary. Because the reason and they're they're both very similar. It's it's really a matter of consistency. There's moments where both units look good. But, one, they rarely go hand-in-hand hand with each other. And, two, when they do, it's literally for one game, and then it's back to the same inconsistencies. Yep. So you've got to find a way. And I think bringing in some veteran guys back there could help you. Now, this is a position where if you want to take a risk on a guy, I get it. Because there are some good younger players here, like Litchfield uh, Avajon out of, he's transferring from Notre Dame. He was a guy that went to Episcopal High School, which is in Virginia. And that's where you got Patrice Rene out of. So, look, there's there's been, that's a, that's a program that's had success before. He might be worth taking a risk on. But to me, I want a more veteran guy. Um, and there there are options out there. B.J. Foster out of out of uh, Texas, and then unfortunately the guy that I was I put in the article, one that I really thought would be a good fit, was Joseph Charleston out of Clemson. But unfortunately, he went off the board today to West Virginia or no to uh, Missouri. Excuse yeah. me. So there and but there are a lot of names here. At safety. Yep. So I think you've got to find one guy and bring him in. And here's the thing. With all of these, when you bring these guys in, they can't hurt you. If you bring them in. If they struggle, whatever. You move on to the next guy. All right. We'll, we'll, that guy will either enter the transfer portal again or he could provide depth for you. But at this point, you can't be rolling out guys like Cameron Kelly Don Chapman, Geo Biggers, and Biggers, I I think I would be that would be the guy I'd probably be willing to roll out there if we had to again this year. I yeah. think the other two guys have just shown you they're way too inconsistent. I'm right there with you. So we'll we'll run through these last two here quickly. Quarterback, to me, I, I think that's got one. I, I don't yeah. think you gotta go in there. Yeah, no. I, I like I like where they are at, even post Sam Howell. Um whether it's Criswell or Drake May, um, I do think it'll be May, and I do think Criswell will transfer. But I think even following his transfer, Carolina has recruited enough to understand that that's probably how this is going to work in this society where you're going to recruit two quarterbacks. One's going to stay. One's going to you know transfer out. Um, and, and, look, I have high hopes for Drake May. I think if yep. Drake May gives me three full years as a starter, I do think he will put up similar numbers to what Sam Howell has put up through the air. I don't know about on the ground, but I do think his passing numbers will be similar to what Sam has put up in Chapel Hill. So, I mean, unless 
you know, a surefire can't miss guy entered the portal. And I think, you know, you 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 know, Rattler's already off the board. He's at South Carolina. You'd have to have would, some... would you take Rat I mean, would you want Radler over yes. over May? Do you think Radler's yes, he, really that much of an upgrade? Yes, he has he has the most raw upside of any quarterback in the country. See, I don't I don't know how much he would succeed behind this offensive line. Um, you know, that's like, that's my concern. Or like you know, had you been in legitimate running for Ewers after he transferred out of Ohio State? Oh, but everybody yeah. well, knew. He's just another level. Yeah, he. We knew the second he entered the portal where he was going. Makes sense. We should have known. It works out. We should have known when he reclassified from high school what his plan was with that. But yeah. Um, so, like, you know, like, like Keaton Slovis does nothing for me. Um, you know, like Zach Calzada entered the portal. Those, like, yeah, those guys. Cal- yeah, you know, I was that guy beat Bama. Those guys, like, it'd have to be a surefire. Can't miss prospect where you're willing to then lose Drake May and Jacoby Criswell to transfers, right? That, yeah, that, no, that that that, that I, I would consider bringing this, one in. This is solely based on Sam Howell is gone. This is not a quarterback death thing. Yeah, this is starting quarterback you're bringing in. One guy that I've seen up there, and now I think it's way too late, even if Carolina wanted to get in the sweepstakes, and I don't think that they are going to. Is Cameron is, is Cameron Ward? who is out of Incarnate Word. And this dude, I mean, he has offers from a ton of major programs. Apparently, he is this superstar. He's got four years of eligibility left. What a, I don't, but I don't think that's one that Carolina's really going to take a risk on. No. I don't really blame him either. I think the, the thing here, you have to feel pretty confident in Drake May, in Jacoby Criswell, and you're also bringing in Connor Harrell, yep. who enrolls early too. So you're 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 feeling pretty good with where you're at. I I think you're right. Unless you got now now if they were to lose Jefferson Boaz, then I'd say you got to go get a quarterback. You got to get a big. Let's see. Let me look if I could. Do we have heights? Is there a big quarterback that can stand in front of Phil Longo? Hmm. No, nah, I don't see that. Um, the last one I put on here, and this one is another one that to me I I. I would say it's not clear that it's a it's a need because I feel like if William Barnes can live up to expectations, then maybe you'll be okay. But offensive tackle has to be considered, right? Every to me, if there's a on the offensive line that you can upgrade or add depth, well, that's do where it. I'm at. My thing with this move would be okay because I'm I'm of the belief that if because I've seen some people, well, Zach Rice is going to play right away. Okay, I think he could play right away. If I'm wanting him to play right away, I want him at guard, which mm-hmm. is a much easier position to play than tackle. If you put him at tackle, that is asking a lot of mm-hmm. a guy right out of the gate. Now, maybe he is good enough, and we'll see. But my thinking in the portal would be, let's go out, and even if, let's say he can be your tackle. If you can get an upgrade over Awesome Richards or William Barnes, I'd be willing to take that. And yeah. look, there's options out there. The guy I want, Ryan Swoboda out of Virginia would be a home run for me. He was ex- uh, uh, an extremely talented guy at Virginia, has a bunch of career starts under his belt. To, to me, that would be a no-brainer. If that dude wants to come to Carolina... You should consider that strongly. Yeah, uh, and I think it kind of comes back to where I said other positions. I think Carolina's got the talent that you want in the offensive line room, but if you could add talent with experience, and you, you could definitely say he's going to add either he's either a straight up upgrade or quality depth to get you to where you have ten guys that you could play in you know in your rotation, then you do it because you haven't had ten guys yet since you've been here. We're entering year four, and there's still the talent that we perceive to be on the roster is still young and upcoming. If you could add a guy that's been around for three to four years, that's got 30, 35 to 40 some odd starts at the Power 5 level, you'd be crazy not to. So, you know, I that's the most important position for this offense to fix. Entering a year where you're probably losing your quarterback and stuff like that, there's no way they cannot be aware and involved with transfers from the offensive line position. Yeah, and there's there's some other guys out there like if if Bray Walker has any interest out of Oklahoma, I think definitely. 
Um, but yeah, this this is a position where there is there's there's some guys out there that I think could be an upgrade, and I think you you definitely have to look there. My concern with getting the ten guys, I want to get back to offensive lines like we talked about earlier. Your best five are out there almost the entire time. Yep, not at the point where. We've been these last couple of seasons where, well, we got to take guys off because they're playing just that bad and we've got to put other guys on. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll take a quick break, come back. DraftKings, I uh, want to tell you about them real quick. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code TPPN, throw $1 down on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll run through a couple of quick closing notes here. Uh, Tyrone Hopper enters the transfer portal not really shocking. I think the more shocking part is that he is going to be back for another year. He is rivaling, by the way, Kenny Pickett for the most years in college football. I think Tyrone Hopper was there uh, with Charlie Ju- Charlie Choo Choo Justice at yeah. this point. Um, he is going to be entering his seventh and, and final year, hopefully for him his final year, uh, because hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, I-, I-, I wrote the article... Uh, really quickly, this is not anything major, right? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not too concerned about that guy. Especially if you can end up getting somebody uh, in the transfer portal on the edge. Jordan Tucker, Kyler McMichael to the NFL. Um, Jordan Tucker, fifth year guy. I think that was more of a move of I feel like I've done everything I can here. Uh, to be honest, don't think this was his best year. I think his first two years as a starter were better for him. So I feel like this probably makes a little bit of sense. Kyler McMichael, that one's a little bit head-scratching to me. Honestly, I thought that he would leave Carolina because he walked on senior day. I thought he was going to transfer. But he's going to the NFL. um, So I think that one has some people left scratching their heads. But again, I think with Tucker, kind of knew that was a possibility. I think that one hurts a little bit. Because, to me, you would have seen more of William Barnes if he was really a better mm-hmm. player than Tucker. But other than that, I think they'll you know they'll probably be okay. Kyler McMichael, I mean, if it, Storm Duck's coming back. That was, I, didn't even, I didn't write that down, but he did announce that. I don't think that's really that big of a loss. If, if Storm Duck can stay healthy, him and Tony Grimes will be your two corners. Yeah, I was ready to go. Or I was ready for McMichael to go after that Miami game. Um, after he missed like three open field tackles that resulted in touchdowns. Have fun in the NFL. I meant the CFL um, because you're not an NFL player. Yeah, I, it's it's going to be tough for me to see him landing on a roster. Uh, Bo Corrales, he found his transfer destination. He's going to SMU. Uh, kind of like that fit for him. Tony He's close, close back uh, to where uh, he, he grew up, uh, Georgetown, Texas. Um, so I think, yeah, he's uh, he'll have a good chance to shine there. I feel like that could be a place where he could really help his draft stock this this uh, final year of, of eligibility at the college level. Um, and then just a couple of recruiting notes. Uh, 2022 three-star interior defensive lineman Ahmed Moten uh, lists Carolina in his top five. Uh, that's one that we knew when Carolina offered back in early December that he was going to end up pushing his decision into February. So Carolina in the running there, but uh, he is from uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Cardinal Gibbons High School. Um, so it probably looks like 
You know, Miami in that backyard is going to have a really good shot. Oklahoma also uh, involved in that recruitment as well. So Carolina's there, but I don't know how much of a factor they will be, especially if Miami uh, stays in in the thick of that recruitment and and is really pushing for them. And then 2023 uh, three-star interior offensive lineman Josh Miller commits to Penn State. He was a guy out of the state of Virginia that Carolina had been in contact with pretty frequently early on. Uh, but again, with him, I think the thing to remember is it's still early on. It's the 23 class, so if Carolina really wants them, they could go ahead and make a push, but Carolina is still very early on in that recruiting class. I wouldn't be too concerned just yet. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure you head over to the website, guys. Check out all the great stuff that we've got going on over there. We have that article uh, on Corey Gaynor uh, to tell you uh, just exactly what we think he's going to bring to Carolina. We break it down even a little more in depth, tell you a little bit more about what he did during his career at Miami. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Also, uh, to go along with things that we talked about earlier today, you've got uh, the Tari recruiting class. You can go back, check out all 17 of the guys that signed. We break them down in depth. We tell you uh, what we see from them as prospects, give you a little a mini scouting report on each one of those guys. It also has all their rankings from the different websites, everything like that, so you can try to figure out just exactly the type of talent that Carolina is bringing in in this loaded class. And there's also an article up there that tells you the four biggest needs, in my opinion, on uh, the transfer portal. Where, where does Carolina need to get guys going forward? Uh, there'll also be some other great stuff going up here soon about the uh, bowl game that's coming up. We'll have the preview, of course, the recap, and the stock report at the end of it. And then we will, of course, wrap up the season with final grades as we do every year. That will conclude the on-field stuff. And then remember... Not too far off, it's the draft season. So we'll be taking you through all of that. We're still having you covered. There's no news right now on Sam Howell. That's the one guy that has not really uh, let anything out about his future uh, when it comes to Carolina. So we'll be monitoring that here over the next couple of weeks whenever we find that out. We'll have that for you on the website as well. Josh has you with all the basketball coverage. Carolina suffered a really tough setback uh, against Kentucky out in Las Vegas. Now they'll look to bounce back uh, with their final game of the out-of-conference season tonight of recording against App State. And uh, after that, he'll, of course, have you covered throughout all of conference season as the Tar Heels uh, look to try to make some noise in an ACC that outside of Duke really isn't all that loaded. So there's a good chance that Carolina could still have a pretty special season. Uh, Make sure you check out the podcast, both the Heel Tough Blog podcast and the Four Corners podcast, wherever you check out your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those great spots. Also, it's on the website tabs at the top of the page for both of them. And go to the social media feeds uh, at Blog on Facebook. That'll have uh, all the stuff we just talked about, the articles, those audio editions of the podcast, the video editions of the podcast, the waveform editions of the podcast, all that great stuff is in one central location for you guys. And then head over to the Twitter page, at Blog on Twitter. Uh, That's where we had you covered with the signing day thread. Um, Whenever guys would sign, we, of course, put up a post. So uh, we do do some stuff on there throughout the year. Uh, So make sure you check all that stuff out. And it's got all that stuff that I just talked about as well. And then our personal pages, at HTBAnthony for me, at HTBJosh for him, and then at HackZubber2 for Zach Hubbard, our recruiting and now transfer portal guy. We will have him on to talk a little bit about Corey Gaynor here uh, as well for you guys. Make sure you check that out coming up. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.